Well, go with me, if you would, to uh, our text that we've looked at again and again. Anybody know where we're going now? Our prayer night text? Nobody knows? Good. First Timothy and the second chapter. I said, why why do you keep using the same verse? Because that's it. Why do you keep eating the same kinds of food? (laughs) It keeps working, right? You're still here. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 1. He said, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, And giving of thanks be made for all men. Now you could lump all that together and call it prayer in a general sense. And yet there are different ways of praying. Prayer, supplication, excuse me, supplication. The word supplicate is uh, almost akin, well maybe I won't say that. It, it It would include the idea of a plea, a plea. A pleading, supplicate. And uh, there are times when you don't have, well, let me say it like this, you can't stand on justice. If you get justice or your people get justice, you're in trouble. Hmm? But oh, thank God, his mercy endures forever. There have been times that I've come before the Lord concerning people and situations, and, and, and I've, you know, some things you don't know much about, other cases you do know uh, the history of. And there have been times I said, Lord, I know, I know you've been merciful, merciful concerning this situation. And, uh, you know, if they get what's coming, You know, they have sown bad seed. They've rejected you. They've rebelled against you. But I'm asking you for mercy. Well, see, we're we're standing and and not on a scripture as far as a right that we have, but we're just, we're supplicating. Lord, would you please give them another chance? Now, you don't want to go just into, into begging and groveling. That doesn't please the Lord. Because so many times that's an indication that there's no faith involved. Even though we don't have a scripture to stand on, a right to stand on, we know he's a merciful God. We got faith, not like we don't have any faith, we got faith in his mercy. Right? We got faith in his mercy. And we're also acknowledging that he's the God of justice. He has to do what's right. And, uh, There are times when he told people, he said, don't ask me about it anymore. You ever read that? Concerning Ephraim at one point, he said, let him alone. He's turned to his idols. Moses kept asking him about, let me go on into the promised land. He finally said, don't ask me about it anymore. And if the Lord ever says something like that, it's not because he's hard. It's not because he's mean. He is gracious. And if you saw the whole situation, you'd know you shouldn't even be asking. Right? He's also the righteous judge of all the earth. He has to do what's right. 
what's fair, even if it grieves him. Hmm? You know, good parents are that way. They have to deal fairly and justly with their children. They have to keep their word, right? Even if it concerns punishment, even if it grieves them. If not, they're not, they're not a good parent, not a good leader. Good leaders are, are, are merciful and gracious, but they're also just and fair. And uh, there are times he'll say, don't ask me about it anymore. Leave it alone. And that's the point where you need to have faith in his justice and faith in what he knows that you don't know. Right? I know uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, my father in the faith, he talked about when his sister uh, went home to be with the Lord. And he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed about that. And she was too young to go. And, and she went early and, and died of a bad disease. And, and it troubled him. It bothered him. And after that, he got caught up to heaven. One of the experiences that he had. And he saw her. She was there. Saw the master. He said he came up. Uh, came walking up and she was, her back was to him and she was facing Jesus talking to him. How many know heaven is real? And the people who have left here, they're not gone. In the truest sense, they're not dead. Hmm? No, they're not dead. You could say their body is dead, but that's even temporary. Right? And he said, uh, she was talking to the master. And said when he started walking up, the master looked over her shoulder at him, and she saw he was looking somewhere, so she turned around and looked at him. And there she was. Her body's here on the earth, but she's not. Said she looked amazing. <laughs> looked wonderful. And she said to Kenneth, she, she said to uh, Brother Hagen, I should say, she said, uh, Kenneth, her brother, don't, don't feel bad that you couldn't pray the prayer of faith for me. There was a reason why. And just left it at that. And he said, the Lord told him, said, don't touch that again in thought life. Leave it with me. And you know, you need to have faith in him too concerning what he knows that you don't. Right? And that he was merciful. And if it didn't look like it, it's just something wrong with your looker. Nothing wrong with him. There's been two or three situations in, in years past that I wondered about. And I thought, well, man, it just didn't look like it turned out right to me. And it didn't seem right to me. But thank God he had taught me enough to, to realize that he never fails. He never fails. He never lets you down. And so I trusted him anyhow. And I said, well, Lord, I'm just leaving it with you. I know you didn't fail us. I know that. I don't know what happened. I know it didn't please you. I know it wasn't your perfect will. But I, I know there was some reason that you couldn't have done more to change it and intervene. And uh, sometimes years later, I, I found out why. A lot of things you won't know in this life, but there have been times I found out why. And when I did, this was what impressed me. I thought, th this actually came out of my mouth when I saw some things. It just kind of came right out of me. I said, Lord. You were more merciful than I would have asked you to be. But see, I didn't see all that. And so many times that's the case. We don't know. 
That's what we're talking about. We, there's so much we don't know. Can you trust God even though you don't know? Yes. Yeah, you can. I said, yes, you can. Yes. And yes, we do. Yes. We trust him. Yes. Trust him. We're going to all be out of here for long anyway. Yes. Right? And a lot of things are going to come crystal clear. And I guarantee you this. I'm guaranteeing you by the Bible. What Romans says, yea, let God be true and every man a liar, that you may be justified when you are judged. What does that mean? And anybody ever accuses God of being unfair, they may not see it now, but the time's coming when every mouth is going to be shut. And everybody's going to see and know God was perfectly just and fair and more merciful than anybody would have dared ask him to be. You believe that about him? I'm telling you, he's good. He's good. He never, never has failed anybody, and he's not going to start with you and me. You believe it, don't you? Supplications, prayers, intercessions. Particularly, you'll see intercession concerning uh, praying for about things that pertain to people that don't know God or people that are out of fellowship with him. People have used the term intercession too loosely. Uh, sometimes they've called all their praying intercession, and it really isn't. It's, uh, it's using your relationship with God on the behalf of somebody that's not in good fellowship with him or maybe don't even know him. You know, uh, Abram interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that? Well, those folk didn't have a relationship with God, did they? And even Lot was out of fellowship, and all him and his family is all caught up in the junk of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, not seeing. You know, that's the, that's the problem of hanging around folks that are so far off. After a while, it don't look so far off to you anymore. And uh, that, that's, a, that's a huge problem. Pays to hang out with holy folks, <laughs> people that live right. Think right. Helps you. And uh, he, he made intercession for them. And then also it says giving of thanks. These things are to be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You're praying for them, but it's really for us. Right? We're praying for them. So that we can lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So we know this. He keeps on saying, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is good and acceptable in his eyes, and who will. This is the will of God. This is the will of God, that everybody gets saved, that everybody come into the knowledge of the truth, that we live a quiet, quiet as opposed to what? As opposed to riots and war and, and tumult and destruction. Peaceable. War, you know, sometimes you have to go to war. But war is never the perfect will of God. Never is the killing and destruction. It's because of, you know, how far off humanity is. War is terrible. You know, people who go to war and have come back, you know, the, the phrase was coined years ago, war is hell. Uh, probably the closest thing on earth to hell. 
Awful, awful. And of course, in times of war, the preaching of the gospel is hindered. And the advancing of the church is restricted and held and, and, and you know, made narrow. So war is not the will of God. Peace is. How many believe that? Now, there are times you've got to defend yourself. But that's not the perfect will of God. And how many remember the scripture said, if, if, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. If, if we become a, a godly enough place, God can, can take a hold of our enemies, right? So that they cool off, right? And are even, even our enemies. They, they may still not like us, but they quit attacking us. They're at peace with us. That's the will of God. Then you don't have to spend all those resources on uh, fighting and, and, and the biggest thing, the lives of our young men and women. Thank God for his perfect will. That's why we pray this over and over again. This is his will. Peace. Quiet. Somebody say peace and quiet. You know that's the will of God in your house? Huh? Yeah, but I got, I got two-year-olds. I got three-year-olds. Still, you can have peace and quiet with three-year-olds, two-year-olds. Hmm? Even when they're laughing and playing, it can be peaceful. Yeah, but I got teenagers. You can have peace and quiet with teenagers. <laughs> Don't believe it? It's the will of God. I said it's the will of God. Godliness. As opposed to ungodliness. He didn't want our society filled with ungodliness. But with godliness. That you know. One of the uh, uh, easy things. Simple things to remember about this. Uh, what is ungodly? I've said it like this. I know it sounds humorous. But what is the uncola? <laughs> no cola. What's ungodly? God is left out. God is excluded. No God in it. No God involved in it. And that becomes ungodly. And that has happened in our country in different areas. God has been removed and taken out. Oh, that's a problem for, for the country. It puts us in danger of judgment and more judgment. But it can change. I said it can change. We're all still here. Talking about the church of the Lord all through the nation and the world. We're still the light of the world. Right? We're still the salt. Yes, we are. So are we going to pray for our leaders tonight? Well, we got a new president-elect. Don't we? Yes, we do. We're going to pray for him? <laughs> that was a little weak. I said, we're going to pray for him? We certainly are. We're going to do what the Bible said, just like we did last week, right? And I want to share some things with you that could help you in praying for them, praying for our new leaders. Uh, go with me to Daniel, the fourth chapter. Daniel chapter 4. I want to take a little extra time to talk about this tonight, and then we're going to pray about it. 
How you believe and how you think affects the way you pray. Daniel 4, the very first verse, what's the first word? It's a big old word. Nebuchadnezzar. He was a king of kings. Uh, one of the most powerful that has ever been. His kingdom covered the known earth. And this is about him and how God dealt with him. He was not a godly man. He was ungodly. He stood on his balcony and he said, look at all this that I have made by myself, for myself, for my glory. That's what kind of leader he was. And I mean, you remember the fiery furnace and the three Hebrew children. What was all that about? He made a statue of himself, right? And ordered the whole kingdom to show respect to his statue of him. And when the music played, you better hit the dirt and you better bow like you're worshiping it. Aren't you glad we don't have that in our country? You know, uh, some years ago, I'd seen some atrocities and some ungodliness that was on the news in the world. And, and I was thinking, Lord, what is the world coming to? How bad it is. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice. But inside me, he said, oh, son, it's been far worse than this. We tend to think it's the worst it's ever been. Not true. Not true at all. It's been far worse than it is now. Y'all are quiet. Hmm? Think about in Noah's time. It was so bad that God decided to wipe the whole thing out. And the only people that were worth saving was eight on the planet. Sodom and Gomorrah. How bad was that? People just go to people's houses. And, and strangers that happen to come in town and demand that they bring the men out so they can have sex with them. Aren't you glad Branson ain't that way? <laughs> Things have been far worse in the earth than they are now. Of course, we don't want them to get worse. We want them to get better. And we, we can't control the whole world, but we can sure pray about our area and about our country and about our place. Believe God for mercy. Well, this man, he, uh, he got so puffed up in himself like we talked about that the Lord uh, decided to do something about it. <laughs> in Daniel 4 and 17. Uh, It says, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones. 
to the intent that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will and sets up over it the basest of men. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar thought he was a cream of the crop. And God says, no, I set up over it whoever I, whoever I will, and I set up over it even the basest of men. Skip on down to verse 25. It says, verse 24 says, This is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They'll make you to eat grass as an ox. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven. And seven times will pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. And gives it to whomsoever he will. That's the second time. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots. Your kingdom shall be sure to you. After that you shall have known that the heavens do rule. Do we believe this? The heavens do rule. Glory to God. Isn't it good to know that it's not just all up to men? Skip on down to verse 32. He said it again. He, well, uh, he had warned him about this happening. In verse 27, he told him, he said, King, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If it may be a lengthening of your tranquility. He warned him how he could keep this from happening. But verse 28, he didn't listen. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He walked in the palace of the king of Babylon. And the king spoke and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? He was on a power trip, wasn't he? He was on top of the world. He was the king. And he said, I've done all this myself, and I did it for myself. For my power and for my, the honor of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you. And it happened just like they said. He lost his mind. They put him out in the pasture, and he ate grass like a cow. <laughs> and uh, said his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird claws. He must have been a sight. And after you spend, what was it, seven years out in the pasture, you'd look rough. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. One day, he looked up out there, grazing. <laughs> I mean, no, he didn't look so majestic. He didn't look so amazing. He, didn't, he wasn't so powerful anymore. And his understanding returned to him. He realized he was a man again. And I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him 
that lives forever. Now, this is the one that, was, that threw the three Hebrew children in the burning fire furnace. He didn't believe in God. He wasn't going to submit to God. Even after all that, he, uh, he still exalted himself. He said his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what do you? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom and my honor, the brightness returned to me. And my counselors and my lords sought to me. I was established in my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven instead of himself. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. We need to be confident of how powerful our God is. Don't we? We need to be aware and we need to be confident that no man or woman could even make it through another work week without he sustains us with our understanding. Just like that. He lifted his understanding from him. He didn't even know he was a man. <laughs> we don't realize how dependent on God we are. Not only did he make us, but he sustains us every millisecond, every breath. The ability to think. The ability to understand anything. Now, with that in mind, go with me on over to uh, Isaiah, the 45th chapter. We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for President Bush. The remainder of his tenure in time. And we're going to pray for President-elect Obama, and whether you voted for him or not, he's now the elected leader, right? That changes everything. Now, we are instructed to pray for him. And it's for our sake, right, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And did you know that the scripture also says that we're not to speak evil of the ruler of our people? Did you know that? In fact, hold your place there in Isaiah, and before we go there, uh, turn to Acts. Acts 23. This is a eye-opening situation here. Paul has been taken into custody. No crimes has he committed. But he's taken into custody. And he stood before the council in verse 20, chapter 23, verse 1 of Acts. He said, men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded them that stood by to smite him on the mouth. To hit him. Now this man who's in the high priest position is not a godly man. He's not a good leader. He's not a good ruler. 
and he's commanding them to hit and hurt this holy man who's done nothing wrong. And Paul said to him, God will smite you, you whited wall. I suspect it kind of went all over him when that guy hit him across the face. Everybody's human. Anybody hit you hard across the face, you're going to have some feelings, brother. <laughs> I, I assure you, you're going to have some feelings. He didn't cuss. That's good. <laughs> he didn't cuss. Didn't say anything like that. But he did say, God's going to hit you. You just hit me. God will hit you. How many rather be hit by the uh, guard than by God? <laughs> he said, God's going to smite you, you whited wall, whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me after the law and command me to be smitten contrary to the law. Paul knew the law. He knew the word. He knew the law. And he knew that there's nothing, no right that this high priest had to do what he just did. And they that stood by said, do you revile God's high priest? You talk that way to the high priest. And here's what's amazing and, and, and revelation for a lot of folks. He apologizes. Paul said, I wish not, brethren, he was the high priest. I don't know whether he didn't have his robes on or what the case was, but he said, I didn't realize he was the high priest. And he said, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. We need to take this seriously, don't we? Say it out loud. It is written, you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. He's quoting Exodus, I believe it is, uh, 22, 28. And in there it says, you shall not curse the ruler of your people. So whether it's curse or to speak evil is really a, a good definition of that Hebrew word curse. Is it okay for us to say bad things about the ruler of our people? It's not okay. And for one thing, if we're doing what he told us to do about praying for him, if we did pray a good prayer and then we go tomorrow and talk bad about him, we're, we're speaking against our prayer, aren't we? We're talking unbelief. If we believe what we prayed, then no matter how they're acting and what they're saying and doing, we should be saying, yeah, but we prayed. God's going to show them some things. God's going to help them. If not just for them, for our sake. And this is the part I wanted to touch on again. Uh, there's such a thing about position that many have not seen. A person being in a position. Well, I know I'm taking time, but it, it bears it. Go to Romans, the 13th chapter. Positions are accompanied by providence. I've never said that before. Romans 13. There's a connection between providence and positions. Now we saw that in, in Daniel. He said the Most High uh, rules 
in the kingdom of men and he gives it to whoever he will. And when a person is in a position of authority over others and what they say and do affects others, God can get involved with them beyond their understanding. And they can be used and not even know they're being used to do something God wants done. That's true with parents. It's true with pastors. It's true with mayors, governors, judges, presidents, kings. And it's one reason he told us to submit to authority. A lot of times people think, well, they're not a godly person. I ain't going to submit to them. You may not be able to appreciate everything the person in authority says and does. They may be wrong about some stuff. But you better respect the place. Or elsewise, you disrespect God. And you want to have faith that God's bigger than them. And he can do things in spite of how they think. You believe this or not? Romans 13 and 1. Let every soul. Who? who, How many? Every soul be subject to the higher powers. In other words, a lot of translations say authorities. Higher authorities. For there is no authority but of God. The authorities that be are ordained of God. Is that true? The authorities that exist are ordained of God. Verse 2. Whosoever therefore resists the authority... Resist the ordinance of God, and they shall receive. They that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. See, a lot of people don't want any authority. They're they're so rebellious. They don't want anybody over them. They try to preach like, well, we're we're all equal, and nobody should have any say so over anybody else. That is not the plan of God. Not here on earth, and not in heaven. There's authority. Authority, a structure of authority, some being over others, is of God. A lot of folk don't like that, but it's of God. Now that doesn't mean that everybody in authority, places of authority, are godly. Or that everything they do is godly and right. But the fact that they're in a place gives God a right to do things with them. Whether they want it or not, whether they know it or not. Oh, are y'all with me? Look at, uh, go back then to Isaiah. And this is particularly true and enhanced and expanded greatly when God's people pray and ask him to. Which is what he told us to do, which is what we're even doing tonight. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. And one. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. To Cyrus. Now. If you look back on history. And you saw the rise of Cyrus to power. You might be shocked 
that he's called the anointed. And as you go on, I want you to notice something. Whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I'll go before you and make the crooked places straight. I'll break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I'll give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, which call you by name, am the God of Israel for Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect. I have even called you by name. I have surnamed you, though you have not known me. Oh, did you see that? Did this man know God, had not a clue who God was, what he was, no faith in God, and yet God's saying, I'm going to use you for my people's sake. I'm doing things with you and through you for my people's sake, even though you don't even know who I am. Oh, do you see that? Verse 5, he said, I am the Lord. And there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded you, though you have not known me. He says it again. He said, boy, I dressed you. (laughs) I put the clothes on your back. You don't even know who I am. My, my, my. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. Do you believe God is big? He is big. He is big. Men have a free will. They do. And men do some stupid and evil and ungodly things. But all the evil and ungodly men and women put together are not bigger than God. I said they're not bigger than God, and them and the devil and all his cohorts himself cannot stop the plan of God, particularly when God's got some cooperation in the earth. His own people are believing him and praying and looking to him. Do you believe it? Go with me to uh, uh, Proverbs, please. And we're going to act on this. Proverbs 21. Now, the, don't misunderstand me. Don't think that I am making implica- implications against sen- uh, President-elect Obama. These scriptures would be just as true if Senator McCain had won. Wouldn't they? Just exactly the same. But... What I'm saying, what the scripture's saying, is whether it, it, whoever got in, the same thing is true. That because of them being in the position, God can do things in them and through them they never thought they would do. Right? He can and he will if and when we pray. I believe it, don't you? Absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. God will do things through people and in them. You know, it's easy to 
look at something like people running for office, particularly office like the presidency, and uh, imagine how they'd do it. And it's easy to find fault and criticize. It's kind of like playing sofa football, right? You're yelling at your big screen TV and thinking, what? The ball was right there. All you had to do was make another yard. What? It was in your hands. Why didn't you catch it? But that's easy for you to say. Laying up there in air-conditioned comfort. (laughs) Drinking iced tea. Right? But man, when you're out there and sweat's in your eyes and you're still numb in your left shoulder from that last hit that guy gave you (laughs) and you've got fractured ribs that ain't healed up from last week's game. And when you turned to catch that, all you saw was a blur and felt pain. It's different when you're doing it than looking at somebody else do it. And looking at, uh, uh, you know, I've had people want to tell us, you know, how to do the ministry and how to run the church. And it's laughable. Because they ain't got a clue what they're talking about. They've never, you ask them, how much have you ever pastored? None. <laughs> how many churches you ever started? None. How many meetings you ever had? None. <laughs> and yet you're an expert. And it's easy for people to look, even at uh, our current president, and go, well, he shouldn't have done that, and he should have done this. And it's easy for those who are running for the office to look at it and go, oh, that's wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And I would do this. But once you get in there, you can have an awakening. (laughs) And you could have had a lot of ideals and notions, but then you get hit like a cold bucket of water in the early morning with the reality of the needs of the country and the danger of the enemy and everything that's going And there are people, there are men and women who when put into a job and position, they make the job. They make the position. They're those kind of people. And then there are other people that the job makes them. The job changes them. The job, the position changes them. And particularly when you get God involved, there can be radical changes. How many know there was a man named Saul who was the most unlikely candidate to write the major portion of the New Testament? People who would have known Saul in his heyday of persecuting the church, what if you'd have told them? He's going to be one of the most revered and respected men in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to write a big portion of the New Testament. They'd look at you and think you're crazy. He's, he's enemy number one of the church of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Somebody say change. change. <laughs> <laughs> Saul... Had some real change. Radical change. And uh, 
no matter who would have gotten in, they don't know the future. We don't know the future, but we know who does. And look at this verse. Let's remind ourselves of it. Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21 and 1. What does it say? The king's heart. That's usually what they had in those days. It had been rare to have a president. But we could say that now because that's our leader. The president's heart is in the hand of the Lord. You believe that or not? Well, it said the most high rules in the kingdom of men. He gives it to whomsoever he will. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Hold your hand up. I want you to picture our president-elect's heart in the middle of the Lord's hand. That's not just talking about his blood pump now. That's talking about the core of his being. And what does it say? As the rivers of water, he turns it wheresoever he will. What does the Lord do? He turns it. They might have all kind of ideas. And then the Lord does this. And you got change. Stand on your feet, everybody. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let me lead you in a prayer and we'll pray in the spirit. Say it out loud. Father God, we worship you. And we trust you. You have never failed us. You have never failed to hear our prayers and answer them and respond to our faith. You are absolutely faithful. And true. We count you faithful. We know you're faithful. And so you told us. Pray. For those in authority. And you told us. Do not speak evil. Don't curse. The ruler of your people. And so we observe your words. And we respect them. And by your grace. We'll do them. We pray for our President Bush and his staff and those that help him. And we remind you of what we've already prayed. And we ask you to help him and help them finish and do what you put him in there to do. We ask for your mercy. And for grace and for strength for him, his family, his staff, the current leadership, that they would be strong to finish up and do all that you would have done. If they're not thinking right, turn their hearts. If they are not looking at things they should be, Turn their hearts. hearts. 
Bring it up before them. Help them to see it. Put it in them to pursue it and enable them to do it. We ask for it in Jesus' name. And we pray for our new president-elect, Obama. We pray for him, for his family, that you would lead him and his advisors as they select their staff, as they prepare to assume leadership and appoint people to positions, to let people go and bring people in, no matter what they have thought. We ask you for our sake, for your church's sake, turn their hearts in the direction they ought to go. And them are those that would help them, whether they know you or not. We believe you are able to intervene in the affairs of men and that the leader's heart is in your hand and we thank you for intervening. We thank you for doing things on our behalf. If there are plans injurious, harmful, damaging to our nation, to the church, to us, if there are things men have thought to do that are ungodly, hindering to your gospel, to your church, we pray against it. We ask you to intervene and turn their hearts and move on them to change their thinking for our sake because of the place they stand in. And we ask that you would give them the plan to bring us out of our problems, bring us out from danger so that we lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Reveal to them and move on them and bring it up in their hearts strong to do the thing that is right in your eyes no matter what they may have thought. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Pray this out loud with me, saints. Say it out loud. Father God, we ask you for a time of peace. We ask you for a time of rest and quiet. We ask you for a time of prosperity that the word of the Lord may go forth unhindered and increase that the harvest may be reaped. We ask you for a time of peace and prosperity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, 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 thank you.